0: Good morning. You ready? Man, Man, I'm excited. I really am. Uh, Let me just first say if you're a visitor with us this morning, don't let this freak you out, okay? (laughs) Seriously, you've stepped into Solid Rock Church at a really exciting moment in our journey. We don't normally all wear the same shirts unless it's on accident. Um, We're at a place in our journey though where God has tangibly shown us that he is ready for us to make room for more work here in this community, and so what we're doing today is we're starting a journey together, an all-in committed journey, and so let me just define that for us, lay out some prerequisites, if I could, that will guide us along the way. First and foremost, what do we mean by all-in? Well, all-in, we're talking about a journey that is unified. Like BJ said, all of us are in. Wherever God decides to lead us, we go together, right? That this is not about what he's doing in one person's life or, or this group of people's lives, but it's something he's doing in this church, a unified journey together. Let me also say this. Um, this isn't going to be the typical uh, fundraiser with a thermometer and pictures of buildings here in the sanctuary. This isn't a journey about buildings or even about money. This is a journey about our hearts. And so when we talk about all of them, what we're talking about are the hearts of the people of this church. What we mean by that is this, that we are together, unified, all in together. So even the way we do, uh, we walk through this process together, we want to do it in a way where nobody gets the glory, God gets the glory, and we're all in together, unified. The second thing is this, we know this, that until, first of all, as individuals, that we've made that deep-rooted, all-in commitment to God, we've got nothing to offer one another. So we're going to start today this journey. This isn't going to be five weeks, uh, a five-week fundraiser or five weeks about buildings. This is going to be a five-week journey, an all-in sermon series on what it truly looks like to live all in for Jesus. We have no expectations for you. Deep breath. Deep breath. Whether you're a member, whether you've been here since 1983, or this is your first Sunday, we have no expectations for you. Our only hope for you is that you would seek the Lord and what it looks like for you to live an all-in life for Christ and then you obey him and follow his lead in your life. That's what we want for you. Because we believe that when we do that, he's going to bring our journeys together in a unified way and show us the journey he has. So if you're a visitor here, I'm excited that you're here. Don't be alarmed. We're not going to do this every Sunday. We're glad that you're here. We want you to know that this truly is an exciting, monumental moment for us as a church. What we're going to do today is we're going to start in Luke chapter 9 in just a minute. We're going to look at two different things that Jesus said at two monumental moments in his earthly ministry. Okay? These are two moments where Jesus takes the opportunity to lay out the big picture. So rather than just dealing with an individual, Jesus is dealing with all of those who follow him and what it looks like to live all in for Christ. So we're going to start in Luke chapter 9. Nine in just a moment. I want to take a second though just to be transparent with you. Um, so, when we think about what it means to be all in, I think that every person in this room who's willing to be honest would say it's what we expect out of everybody else in our lives, right? This is why we have so much trouble in our marriages because we expect other people to be all in. We expect our spouse to be all in and we don't mind letting them know when they're not all in, right? We expect, we want our children to be all in. We want our coworkers to be all in. We expect God to be all in, which is obvious, by the way, that we pray. So we expect all-in commitment from everyone around us. The question is, are you willing to go all in? And so this morning, as we get started, I want to just, here's my moment of transparency. Um, I have not arrived yet, and maybe you have, but I haven't. And so there are plenty of moments throughout my day and throughout my week where I'm reminded that there are pieces of me, parts of my heart that have yet to be captured and captivated by God. So this is a journey for all of us. It's not just a journey for those of you who feel like you've arrived and you're at that spiritual plateau that God's calling you to. This is a moment of honesty for all of us to ask God, examine our hearts. Show us where we're still living for us, God, that where we could surrender that and, and, and better live for you. When in Luke chapter 9, Jesus has just told his disciples, he's reminded them that he's got to go to the cross and die. So this is a monumental moment with Jesus and his disciples. And in verse 23, he turns to them and says something. Here's what he says. And he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will save it. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself? So first and foremost, Jesus stops to have a a monumental moment with those who are already following him to say, if you're going to come a step further, If you guys are going to truly follow me, let me share with you what's expected and required of you. If anybody is going to come after me. Before we even talk about what God is calling us to individually, let's talk about what God has already committed. Let's talk about the skin that God has in the game together. Can we do that? In John 3.16, very common, popular uh, verse of scripture, God expresses to us his commitment in this way. In John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In this beautiful promise of eternal life for us, we see this this expression of God's gift to us. So God didn't just give us a prophecy. He didn't just give us a Bible. He didn't just give us these relationships with with one another. This whole thing started when God gave his only son, and I believe God gave his only son to us for a number of different reasons. First of all, Jesus was the only one qualified to pay for my sin, right? I couldn't pay for it. My mom couldn't pay for it. There wasn't anybody in the world who was good enough to make up for the mess that I've made. Only God's perfect holy son would do. But in addition to that, what God shows us is this. is He is all in for us. He's withheld nothing from us. He's gave it all. Think about that. All that he had to give his one and only son that whoever would believe in him would have eternal life. And so before we start talking about our lives and what it looks like to live all in, let's first come to this place of agreement. God is all in. What he's doing through the church is not a hobby of his. It's not a side project. It's not just one of the things he's doing. This is what God, the holy God of the universe, is doing. He's working through his imperfect people to reveal his glory and his love for everybody in a way that transforms us. God is all in. Now, more specifically, we're going to see this in the next part of this where, where Jesus says this, if anybody's going to come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross. Now, when we first think about the cross, what we most often think about is death, right? And so what is, what is Jesus saying to his followers? You guys all have to die or you can't be my followers. Well, we know this, that, that they went on to live at least for a while and carry out this mission. And we know that as Christ followers, God's letting us live here. So this isn't a call to an immediate physical death, it's a call to something else. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 beautifully describes what I believe Jesus is getting at here. This is the Apostle Paul writing to Christians, to the church, and he says this He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercy of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy, and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, there's one word in that verse that gives it its full meaning, and if this word were removed, the verse would mean something totally different. It's the word living, right? Because if the verse said this, I appeal to you, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present yourselves as sacrifices holy and acceptable to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. What we would take from that is, oh, God wants me to die right now, to lay my life down on the altar, to die, right, and to go be with him. But that's not what he says. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, to live your lives as living sacrifices. So if he's not calling for our physical death, what is Jesus calling us to as his followers? I think he says it. If anybody's going to come after me, he must be willing to deny him self. He's calling us to die to self, to die to my own ambitions, to to die to my own wisdom, to die to my own plans, to die to my own wants and desires, to get to that place in my journey where I would declare with the scriptures that, God, my ways are not your ways. My understanding is not your understanding, and I believe that your way is better. Now, that's a moment of death, isn't it? To come to a place where you say, I'm going to lay myself down. What I want to accomplish today. What I want to get out of this life. And I lay those ambitions, desires, and dreams on the altar, dying to self. Right At that moment then, I'm fully ready to begin living for Christ. And I believe this is what Jesus is calling us to. To deny self, to take up our crosses daily, and to follow him. Until I am ready to die to myself, I am not fully ready to live for Christ. It doesn't matter what my shirt says, or what my bumper sticker says, or how many little fish I have on the back of my car, or what radio station I listen to, or what Christian cliques I hang out with. Until I am ready to lay Jason Williams on the altar and die to self, I am not truly ready and willing to live for Christ. Now, that was a monumental moment for these disciples, wasn't it? All but one made a decision in this moment. We know that Judas is going to bail, right? So he's still half in. He's still half-hearted. Still has one foot in the world and what this world can offer and still following Christ at a distance. But for the other 11, all in. Matter of fact, all but of the other 11 die martyrs' death for following Christ. All in. If you're taking notes with us today, um, we've put booklets under the seats around you, hopefully Um, You've got one there. If you want to take notes, uh, the notes start on page 20. Page 20. And what we've done in the booklets is this. These are going to be the sermon notes for the next five weeks. So that this could be somewhat of like a journal for you. Just to chart out and journal the things that God says to you and the ways he challenges you. Um, If you're a fill-in-the-blank person, um, there's fill-in-the-blanks in there. But if you're somebody who likes to write your own notes, we put space in there for you to write your own notes. Or if you'd rather listen and not write at all, perfect. We'll have scriptures on the screen uh, so you can follow along as well. Um, But here's the thing I want to do. I want to start with this first statement on page 20, and it's this. Living all in requires dying to self in order to live for Christ. Dying to self in order to live for Christ. And until each one of us is ready to make that monumental decision, right, to go all in in that way, right, there's no need to try to cross the river, you heard us refer to that moment in Joshua 1 where God called the nation of Israel. And the calling was this, rise and go all of you and all these people. So the nation of Israel, each individual person had to make a decision. Do I truly trust God? It's scary on the other side of the river. There are things over there that I, that I don't know about. There are dangers over there. There are questions unanswered. But each person had to make that decision whether or not to trust God. And the nation of Israel rose together in unity and crossed over. And so first and foremost, this is an individual challenge and call to us. A requiring of dying of self in order to live for Christ. And I think that was a monumental moment for those disciples. Another monumental moment is in Mark chapter 12. And this was a moment where Jesus was cornered by some religious leaders. And they asked him this question, trying to trip him up. Jesus, what's the most important commandment? That's a pretty big question to ask the Son of God, right? What's the most important thing? And they, they were really trying to t- trick him to either get him to answer wrongly or to get caught up in his words. And so they, they step back after they asked that question, and Jesus steps up and he answers this question, what the most important commandment of God is. In Mark chapter 12, starting in verse 30, Jesus responded, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. But he doesn't stop there, does he? He rolls right into the second one. He said "And the second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. What Jesus did so beautifully is he actually summed up all the commandments of God in two. When you look at the 10 commandments, the front half have to do with how we love God and how we interact with God, how we worship God. And then after that, the end of the commandments have to have to do with how we deal with one another. So in a practical way, Jesus summed up all the commandments with with this response. But what he so beautifully got to was the heart of the matter, that commandments are not about arbitrary obedience, they're about a condition of our hearts. And so what Jesus says, he doesn't just say worship God, he says you would love The Lord your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. What is he saying? With all that you are. And then you're to love one another in the same way. Now, here's a really important thing for us to do in our day and time and culture. We need to define love, don't we? Valentine's Day is right around the corner. A few of you men just perked up like, whoa. Yeah, it's right around the corner. And our culture is constantly trying to sell us its version of love that somehow love has a a color palette it needs to be pink or right some red and it's not love unless it fits into this color palette and and love has to do with emotions and love has to do with romance and affections and as Christ followers though we have to step back and allow God the source of love to define for us what love actually is otherwise it's a moving target isn't it guys Valentine's Day scares me to death. I don't know, should I do too much, too little? I'm gonna mess this thing up and oh, it's just so much anxiety for me when I try to do it the way culture tells me I should do it. But how does God define love? In 1 John chapter three, we get a beautiful expression and definition of what godly love looks like. Love that's rooted in the character of Christ. Love that reflects the heart of God. In verse 16, this is 1 John three. John writes this. He says, by this we know love. That's a pretty good lead-in phrase. What he's saying is, here's what love looks like. This is how you know love when you see it. By this we know love, that he, being Jesus, laid down his life for us. That's how we know what love looks like. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Now, what John is saying to us is this. This is how you know what love is. Love is measured by sacrifice. It's not enough for me just to stand up in front of you and say, I love you. You know I love you by the sacrifice that I'm willing to make for you. I can't just repeat some vows at the altar with my wife 13 years ago, and tell her I love her, right? That's not enough. And it's not enough just to verbally tell her I love her day after day, right? If I'm going to love her, she's going to know I love her by my willingness to sacrifice for her. Sacrifice is the currency of love. This is what he's saying. By this you know love. We saw Jesus. He laid his life down for you. That's what love looks like. And then what does he say? And you ought to lay your lives down the brothers. Then he gives us this tangible expression. He said, if you encounter anyone who has needs, right, and you see the need in their life, and yet you walk away without sacrificially being willing to meet those needs, don't fool yourself. You don't have love. Love never walks away from need. Love willingly sacrifices itself for the sake of someone else. This is what it's supposed to look like in your marriages, right? Valentine's Day, little notes, little cards, all those things don't mean anything if it's not backed up by a willingness to lay yourself down for that person, right? Isn't that what gives value to the gift or the phrase or the hug, right? Isn't that what makes it worth something to you? To see somebody else who's willing to give up for you. Parents, especially moms, you so inerrantly do this for your kiddos, don't you? I mean, even before your kiddos saw the day of light, you were already giving up sacrificially and loving that little rug rat, a little ball of joyful sinfulness, right? Even before he or she drew his first breath, you were sacrificing. That was just the beginning, right? But there was a sacrifice that accompanied your love. And this is what the the scripture is telling us, that love that is rooted in in the heart of God, For God so loved the world that he gave his son will be measured in our sacrifice. So, I can't love God with all my heart, my mind, my soul, and my strength unless I'm willing to sacrifice for him. This is what Luke 9 was all about. Unless you're willing to take up your cross and deny yourself right? So, so I know that. If I'm gonna, it's not enough for me just, again, to wear the t-shirt, have the right station on my radio, or all the latest Christian CDs. Do you still use CDs? I think I have some, right? That's not enough. I have to live sacrificially for God to, to present myself as a living sacrifice. That's my spiritual act of worship, and I can't love you as myself if I'm not willing to lay myself down for you. Now, hear me, church if you're visiting with us today, you're surrounded by an awesome church. I would go to church here if I was not the pastor. Let me just say that, okay? You're surrounded by people who are really good at living this out. However, we have not arrived yet. This amazing work that we see God do in our church is not because we're trendy or cool or have it together. This place is more like a hospital than a hotel, right? It's the place where the broken gather. We bring our brokenness together we submit it to the grace of Jesus. We worship him together. And then he's continuing to work on us. So Solid Rock Church family, for so much of what we're talking about today, I, I want to give glory to God. And I want to applaud you for it. But here's what God is calling us to. He's not calling us to a, a part-end commitment, a partial commitment, right? He's not just calling us to do this on Sunday morning for the hour and a half that we're here or in community group or in my Bible study. He's calling me to live this out. What did Jesus say? Daily, all in, living sacrificially for him and for others. It's not enough for me to love you when it's convenient. I need to be willing to lay my life down and love you when it's inconvenient, right? I need to expect God to call me to love you when it's hard. Not just when I have time, but when I don't have time, right? I need to expect God to call me to lay myself down for you, not just when I have an abundance of resources, but even when it's hard to give. I need to be willing to love you sacrificially. This is what God's calling us to, church. I think this is so um, beautifully illustrated time and time again in the book of Acts. Again, we're going through the book of Acts together as a church. Um, we, we just hit pause for today. We'll hit it back again in six weeks and just start going verse by verse again, chapter by chapter. But over and over again, we're seeing this beautiful display of true love, aren't we? I mean, from, from Acts 2 at the very beginning, brand new Christians, their, their, just, their, their reaction to the grace of Jesus was what? Acts 2.42, excuse me, 2.45 says this. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as what? As any had need. They were living sacrificially for one another. Church, this is what God is calling us to, to live, to love him all in with everything that we have, and to love one another in the same way. If you're taking notes, the second statement is this. Living all in requires loving God and loving others by giving of ourselves generously and sacrificially, generously and sacrificially, and we hear the word generous, we tend to think about money, right, we default to, oh, we're talking about money now, no, we're just talking about with everything that we are, there may be times I need to love you with my money, my resource, I need to help you out, but there'll be a whole lot of times where I need to be willing to love you with my time, right, love you with some other resource that I have, so this isn't a journey about money, it's a journey about our hearts and our willingness to live our lives all in for Christ and all in with one another. All in, living all in requires loving God and loving others by giving generously and sacrificially. Now, let's talk about how this could impact our lives. So for each of us, we believe here at Solid Rock that God orchestrates and ordains divine moments for you every day. He's constantly giving you opportunities to minister to people, to pray for people, either bringing somebody to mind or bringing somebody into your path or both, or calling you to initiate a conversation, send an email, set up a coffee, God is continually working in your life. Not just occasionally, in those big moments, but every day, God is preparing good works in advance, Ephesians 2.10, that you would walk in them. We believe that here, don't we? We do, we believe that. Now, we don't always live with that kind of expectation, right? We live with kind of a part-time mentality, We wait for God to really wake us up and show us he wants us to do something. Then we'll set our stuff down and we'll engage. What we're looking at here, though, is what we're asking is, what would it look like, though, if I lived every day full expectation of those divine moments? I started looking for them. I started listening for God. Rather than waiting for him to wake me up, to rattle me, or to get my attention, what if I just woke up asking the question, God, where do you want me to go today? What do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to reach out to today? Who do you want me to love today? all in. Not just in those opportunities where people see me and applaud me, but in those moments where nobody sees me. And not only that, what we're talking about today is this. We're talking about living for the eternal. Do you remember what Jesus said in Luke 9? After he he told his followers, if you're going to come after me, you got to be willing to take up your cross and follow me daily. And he says what? And whoever tries to save their life will lose it. Whoever loses their life for my sake will save it. And then what does he say? What does it profit? What does it benefit you to gain the whole world yet forfeit or lose your soul? What Jesus is doing, he's drawing a contrast between the temporal and the eternal. He's talking about eternal life. and He's talking about how what we do with this life oftentimes can distract us from what is eternal. You want want some insight on your marriage and why you're maybe having struggles and and maybe fights, arguments, you can't get things together. Here it is, rocket science. You ready? It's because the temporary matters too much to you. Right? Think about it. When have you and your significant other debated or argued over eternity? Right? We don't. We argue over what is happening right now in this moment, what you did yesterday, what you just said to me, what you're not doing for me. In this life, you see how easily... What's temporary can trump what is eternal in our hearts if we're not careful. This is what Jesus is talking about. What good is it if everything in this world goes your way and yet you forfeit eternity? And he's flipping the equation on us, isn't he? He's saying, if you're gonna come after me, if you're gonna live as a living sacrifice and be all in, eternity has to matter more to you than what's happening in this moment. That's pretty challenging, isn't it? and pretty revealing of where our hearts still need to be captured by Christ. Now, again, full disclosure, go have coffee with, with my wife, Hallie, this week, and she'll let you, let you in on where my heart still needs to be captured by Christ. I am a work in progress, as I assume you are, but I know that I am. And right, so this calling to all in is, is just a little bit deeper every day. We all have room to grow here. Can we agree on that? We all have room to lay more down sacrificially and live more for Christ. One of the main things that um, for us as a church and and our elder body that that we want to make sure we do differently about this journey, okay? So maybe you've been involved in something like this at another church, and they called it a fundraiser, and they put up a thermometer, and you gave to the building fund, or, you know, some deacon knocked on your door, and, went over a spiel with you and made you commit to a certain amount of money. So we're trying to do this differently. We're trying to to take this journey in a way where God is leading, God is being honored and glorified. And so one of the things that, that we know we have to be willing to do from the beginning is to bathe this in prayer, right? We have to be a praying church. If we're gonna walk like Abraham did, following God through the desert, leading his wife Sarah and their family to the place that God would show him, We've got to be constantly in tune with what God is doing and saying. Praying not just at the front end, but praying along the way. I want to to invite you, church, members and visitors, everybody who feels like God is calling to be a part of this journey. Let's be a praying people. We know from the scriptures that anything that God does, right, through his people here on earth, right, faces the adversary. We know that God has an enemy who's going to be continually trying to divide us, and distract us, to deter us, to throw a wet blanket on this amazing work that God is doing through our church. And, and we have to be constantly on our knees seeking the will of God, seeking the face of God, laying ourselves down. Some of you have already let me know that you're praying. You already have begun praying about this. P- please. Some of you have gone out of your way to, like, to, like, to make commitments, and like Monday you pray for this, and Tuesday you pray for this, and like, you're just already doing it. So now I'm inviting the rest of us in on this, okay? Um, I just found out a few weeks ago that two of our elders are meeting up here on Thursday mornings at 6 a.m. to pray over all this. And they said, anybody that wants to join, I can join them. So 6 a.m. this Thursday, Billy and Ken will be here and anybody else who wants to join them. What I hope is that this wouldn't just be something we do on Thursday morning or we do at the beginning of this all-in journey, but that we would be people who pray and seek the face of God together. And I wanna invite you in on that what I also want to do now is I want to pray for us, okay? I want to pray a prayer that the elders have been praying over this journey now for several months. Um, In the book of Ephesians, uh, one of my favorite prayers of the Apostle Paul, in chapter three, he prays for the church, and he prays that they would deepen in their understanding of the love of Christ, So those who are already Christians, who already know God, he's praying that they would go deeper in their understanding of his love. And then he prays something beautiful at the end that I want to pray over this church. So I'm going to invite you now as our worship team comes back up, I'm going to invite you into a time of prayer, and I'm going to pray this scripture over us this morning. Can I do that? And, And my hope, though, is that this morning... God would simply begin to open up your heart and mind to believe and expect things that you didn't think were possible. Not for me, but for you. I would love for each person in this room to begin to think about, God, what would it look like in my life personally if I were willing to live all in? What would that look like? Let's pray together now as we get ready to respond. Father, we want to... Um, echo the words of the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 3 now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen God, this morning, we want to come to you really with two things in mind. First of all, God, we want to come to you and we want to lay down those areas of our life that we have yet to fully commit to you. And God, we expect it to look different in each of our lives. For some of us, it's, it's a relationship, it's a, it's a marriage. For others of us, it's a sin struggle. But God, whatever those areas are that we need to lay down this morning, we want to do that. And, Father, with that, we also want to think about this amazing work that you're doing in and through our church. And, God, we would ask that you would speak to each one of us, God, that you would reveal to us, God, your desire for us and what it looks like for each one of us to live our lives all in for you. Father, we ask for your guidance and protection. You would protect relationships within this church marriages we ask that you would protect relationships between parents and children we ask that God you would protect the relationships between brothers and sisters in Christ Father we are excited we are also humble God we want to be excited about where you're leading us. And at the same time, God, we want to acknowledge that this has nothing to do with us. So, God, help us to walk in humility and in faith at the same time. We pray this in Jesus' name. If, uh, what we hope now is that you would be able to respond to however God's speaking to you this morning. If you're here today and you're not a Christian, you haven't made that commitment to Christ, maybe this was the first time you heard that God has, has already been all in for you, that he's given an amazing sacrifice of his son because he loves you. And maybe today you want to trust in Jesus for the first time. You could do that where you're seated. We'll also have prayer partners available at the back of the room. You'll know who they are. They have a lanyard on that says prayer partner. and They'd be honored to talk with you about becoming a Christian and to pray with you or even to pray over something else that may be going on in your life. And so I encourage you while we sing, just feel free to step out, make your way to one of our prayer partners. Just say, hey, will you pray with me? And they'll be glad to walk with you in one of our prayer rooms and listen to what God's doing and pray with you. If you're visiting with us today, once again, thank you for being with us. Um, When the service dismisses, I'm gonna be at the very end of the hallway in the last room on the left. And I do that in order to be available to meet you. And so if you are here and you have time, I'd love for you to come by and say hello and just let me get to know you or you may even have questions about some of the things I've talked about today. I'd love to answer those questions or even pray with you. I'll let you know that as well but here's what we want from you. We want you to hear from God and we want you to have the opportunity to, to respond to that however he's leading you. So let's do that now as the worship team leads us.